<laughs> okay, guys, let's 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 start the show. Welcome to our bonus podcast with my partners in crime, Augusta Shulauskas and Rita Svishnauskas. Vitas, we are so happy to have you here because we heard that it was tough thing just to come out of the bed from what happened yesterday, right? I wish Gerard Piquet never stepped on that pitch yesterday. <laughs> Would have been much better. I'm extremely angry and frustrated. Uh. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? I don't know. I'm I'm just I tried to follow up with something then I thought about Barcelona basketball club if in the long term it will have any impact that football club is sucks for recent years. Yeah. I stopped following football for many years ago but I mean it might have impact your frustration right now in like two or three years might have some impact for the basketball club so because they're big spenders. Like you mean to tell me a few bad performances by Piquet means less quality in the point guard section for Barcelona in the early? Exactly. And some Shara's crazy signings and decisions. Sertat Shanli type of uh, mm-hmm. signings. More Rocco well, by this type of players in the team. You know, usually I don't like playing the blame game, you know, like blaming one particular person. But, but in this case, I have a huge agenda against former Shakira's husband. <laughs> Maybe there's uh, a reason why. Well, if you watch the highlights, you, you will see. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Welcome to our bonus podcast. This is a special uh, edition, by the way, special Q&A edition. And there's a big announcement we have to make. Uh, thank you all for all the questions. Uh, in a short time, we received a lot of interesting questions. Uh, it was a hell of a journey. Uh, we'll, we'll answer all these questions, but we have to announce that this is the last episode of our bonus podcast because we just cannot uh, take it anymore, this bullying <laughs> of Rita's haircut. Planet Naikos fans are attacking us with Augustus for the uh, statements <laughs> we made about Radonish and Planet Naikos. Uh, Olympiakos fans were also mad because you said that they didn't do enough to win the title. Let's, let's say they didn't do enough in summer to make them closer to the title. So we just cannot. So I somehow managed to like trigger this. all of our Greek community watchers. Yeah, yeah. Nice. It's nef- cool. n- I mean, you can support Olympiakos or Panathinaikos, and you know you will be hated by n- other group. The but other now team. all of us are attacking us, so we just cannot. No, I'm just messing with you guys. Uh, we are not going anywhere. You'll have to suffer uh, our podcasts uh, in the future as well. But there's an important, really important announcement. We're launching our new uh, Basket News Plus platform. Uh, it's kind of uh, a new membership uh, community in Europe. This is the community where you will be able uh, to get some extra content. And it also starts from our podcasts. Uh, just to make it clear, we're not going anywhere. We will have this weekly podcast, uh, usually on Mondays or Tuesdays. But this Q&A session will be part of this BN Plus uh, content. Every two weeks, uh, probably, uh, we'll make these Q&A uh, sessions to answer your questions. But uh, only the members of this BN Plus uh, platform will be able to send us these questions and only them will be able to uh, get all the answers uh, we will record uh, on these pods. But this is only one of the many other features uh, we'll offer. Uh, you'll get weekly analytical breakdowns by Augustus. Uh, he will expand about it later. There will be weekly betting op- opinions and options uh, from Ritis, uh, weekly opinion articles. But what I 
like the most about this platform is that, okay, one year ago when we launched basketnews.com project, our main goal was to bring European basketball community together, uh, which was really hard to do because, you know, there's Spanish basketball community, Greeks, uh, Serbians, they have their own platforms, but we were missing some some big, big team which could combine all these different countries and cultures and, and basketball uh, fans uh, together. So I think we did a nice job, but this is our next step because we will create this more closed basketball community, which means that, for example, you will be able to join... Uh, if you're gonna subscribe us, uh, if you're gonna subscribe one of the three subscriptions we will offer uh, on basketnews.com uh, plus, uh, you will be able to join our closed Facebook group and there you'll kind of be directly contacting us. You will be able to give us feedback, tips, uh, opinions. Also, we will share our weekly plans. We will share behind the scenes uh, stuff. We will have some events with prizes, uh, for example, only for our members. And, you know, looking long term, maybe we'll have this opportunity during the final for, to, you know, to go somewhere together to spend some nice time and just talk about basketball. Uh, and uh, we have this, let's say, this kind of thing in Lithuania, uh, basketnews.lt. They have almost 4,000 uh, BN plus uh, members. And for example, this summer, we had this event uh, where we invited all the BN plus uh, members to one place uh, to spend uh, two days actually with a lot of basketball activities, non-basketball activities, just to talk, just to have some drinks, uh, to share opinions. And, you know, there were like more than 100 people over there, uh, although the weather was not the best uh, for that kind of uh, event. Anyway, it, it's, a, it's a huge uh, pleasure to, you know, be in such a nice community, the biggest community in Lithuania. So our hope is to make something like this uh European, worldwide, let's say, you know, in, in, in Europe. So yeah, I think this is, this is, this is it. This is what Jonas asked me to A great introduce. intro. I hope for so. For this platform. Yeah. So you guys gonna do some also, oh, yeah, one more thing to add. All the news feed you're getting right now, the breakdowns of Augusta's uh, podcasts, as, as I mentioned, some opinion articles, you'll continue getting them for free, but let's say this BN Plus platform is some like something like a extra, like bonus, like overtime, uh, more coverage, more in-depth uh, analysis, and being closer uh, to our team. And for example, this Facebook group, if you want to watch some game, if you need some 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 links, some streams, you can just ask these questions in this uh, Facebook uh, group. You can ask some other questions and just stay in touch with us directly. It is usually is pretty active in, in, in these groups. Uh, so I think it might be a very nice uh, uh, thing for you to join and you will find more information on basketnews.com slash plus. So yeah, can you guys introduce uh, from your standpoint what you're gonna do particularly? Uh, from my part, it's just gonna be, you know, if these videos are coming out twice a month and they're more focused, let's say, on NBA Europeans and NBA stuff or promising rookies, uh, these articles that are going to be in the BN Plus platform uh, are going to be more focused about EuroLeague. And uh, let's say the first one that uh, probably should be out today is about uh, Partizan Alba game. I know we talked a lot about, about it here. 
But uh, I, in that article, I went more into detail uh, about that game, uh, more looking about it from the partisan side. And uh, <clears throat> it's not only a text, it's going to be uh, some videos, let's say some text, then a video example of it, then a little bit more, te more text on another topic from that game, another video, uh, like an, an example, a video example of it. So uh, just there will be one article per week in the BN Plus platform for, from me. Nice. And Ritis will have some betting. Uh, well, uh, I wasn't really sure if I should do it, but I eventually agreed upon it to do some um, weekly EuroLeague betting tips. Honestly, I don't want anyone to blindly bet their money uh, on what I'm saying. Maybe just some of my insights will be helpful. And I'm always uh, for um, smart betting, like never go over the limits, never bet too much money that you, that you cannot afford. But sometimes it makes EuroLeague more fun when, when you have something to cheer for. Uh, so yeah, I will have my weekly betting tips. Usually it will be like uh, five games that I will cover and I will try to find some over under handicap or any other stuff. Sometimes player over under. We'll see how it goes. So actually we re recorded the first episode already and uh, I think it was pretty good. We'll see what happens. And hopefully hopefully, I'll manage to hit something. Like <laughs> if, if, if I go down, maybe we all go down, you know? Yeah. Because <laughs> no, that's so, how it goes with betting. So Ritis is like Gerard Piguet. <laughs> for us <laughs> could be you know I'm, I'm not sorry saying, that I don't want I don't want to end up like this I, I would prefer <laughs> to be more like Erling Holland of our table but we'll see what happens okay yes. I mean your your uh you know in, 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 insights uh could be also used for like fantasy fantasy year league or oh, yeah, stuff exactly yeah yeah not necessarily like betting because obviously a lot of people are against betting some people are too much into betting, but basically these are just tips and whatever you decide to do with them, or maybe you disagree with, with some of the stuff, you will always be able to comment and, and let me know. Yeah, so there are there are gonna be three different BN Plus uh, subscription uh, levels. Just join BN Plus community and your subscription will support our creative and basketball level loving editorial team and bring their ideas to life. Okay, so let's start our Q&A session. Let's go. Uh, a lot of questions, we won't be able to respond to all of them, but we picked some of the most, let's say, intriguing and exciting ones. We actually skipped some questions about Lithuanian League or Greek League, for example, because it's, you know, it's already a very, let's say, small community, uh, small circle of basketball fans who are trying to follow European basketball. And if, if we will start focusing on LKL, especially knowing Rita's opinion about LKL level, <laughs> Um, anyway, I mean, it's it's going to be tough. So we will try to check more global things and what can be more global than this Dubai thing? Uh, and we had a lot of questions about Dubai. So let's start with Oguzhan. Uh, what do you think about the 
purported offer by Emirates Airlines to sponsor the EuroLeague for $60 million per year. This sounds like what is needed right now, but could also give too much leverage to the sponsor apart from hosting finals and sending their own team. If at some point they get bored and pull out, no one could make a similar offer and the league would be already used to that kind of money and maybe struggle to get on its feet. Then there's Umut Yazlar asking what do you think about the offer from Emirates for name sponsorship as basketball culture is the foundation of the organization within an infant and artificial association damage the league and then there's Borja Gabancho uh, question, uh, questioning what do you think about send the final four to Arabia as being reported those days what's your first impression about this uh, potential cooperation with Dubai and new very interesting unknown market the 60 million euros uh, drastically changed the EuroLeague financial situation what is the deal right now Donatus, maybe you. That's the know thing because uh, this information was reported by a very respected Greek journalist of Gazeta, Adonis Kalkavuras. Uh, but I tried to do my research, and of course, maybe my sources weren't informed enough, or maybe they didn't have this very, 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 very inside information. But at least when they, uh, when yearly shareholders, when all the yearly teams were visiting uh, Dubai just in the beginning of this week, there were no particular numbers. There was nothing like, oh, so we give you $60 million and now we want wildcard for our team, Final Four for three years in a row, and Turkish uh, Emirates uh, Emirates EuroLeague name as the sponsors. Uh, so f- it was only, a, let's say, presentation of Dubai as mm-hmm. a market and some potential possibilities for the EuroLeague looking forward and what Dubai team could bring, what kind of arena they have, what kind of facilities they have, and maybe it was even more focused on uh, hosting the final fours. And, you know, it was just a presentation, just a shareholders meeting to see each other, to check Dubai. Uh, There was a dinner and nothing, nothing, you know, no decisions were made. No strategy was made, and EuroLeague, the new administration, they're just going to wait for the final proposal, and probably they're going to exchange some ideas what mm. one side and what other side wants. So it's I mean, some, something that uh, this 60 million number was exaggerated. Okay. Uh, to be honest, I'm all okay with the name, with the name change. Uh, What's the difference between Turkish Airlines yeah. and Emirates, for example? I, I don't see really a difference. In here, and you know, if the money drastically, drastically changes the Euroleague financial situation, uh, I'm I'm okay with a team from Dubai coming in, because probably they would have some, you know, a lot of money to 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 make a good team and to be competitive. Uh, the biggest problem I see is with the final fours because, um, you know. I believe the fans are already being robbed with the final four form format. You know, not having the semifinals and final series, we're kind of robbing a little bit fans uh, from the from this experience of seeing your team winning the title or losing in you know in the last game. I don't I don't think quarterfinals are enough. Uh, so and already in the final four in Europe, we already see a lot of empty spaces if it's not Greek, Turkey, or Serbian team playing in there. So. A final four in Dubai. I'm not. I'm not seeing European fans coming to experience that in 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 real life. So, I'm. I wouldn't be so sure about this part that uh, organization of the final four every year in Dubai would make a lot of sense. Mm. 
that's how sports is nowadays. Like if you're unable to make profits, just hope that some sheiks will pump money into your organization. And this is not a business proposal because uh, Dubai is not making any profits from it. But that's just a classic case of sports washing. That's what they have been doing in football for many years. And they have been successful in doing so. Whether you take like uh, Qatar and, and Paris Saint-Germain or, or you take uh, Emirates and, and Manchester City. Um, those are pure examples of sports watching, but on a whole different level. Because if we're talking about basketball, they don't even need that much money, like $60 million. It's funny for it's, me. It's peanuts for them. So um, whether we accept it, I don't know. It's like easy money. And obviously the clubs and the league profits from it. At the same time, you have to agree on some conditions. Um, basically, I'm I'm 100% sure if there is a, an, a real offer, it will be accepted because I don't see how it could be declined by the new EuroLeague uh, management. And anyways, in my opinion right now, it's not something I'm dreaming about, but it's probably better to take Dubai's money than to let the Russians back in our market. Like EuroLeague was sponsored by Gazprom before before Russia started a terrorist attack on Ukraine. So um, I could live with the idea of the Final Four being hosted in Dubai. I could live with a new team that's not from Europe, but obviously it will be a team with a big budget built around American players and some, some European stars. It's not like local Emir players from United Arab Emirates yeah. will be will be playing in the Euroleague. So the quality of basketball wouldn't suffer and clubs will be would benefit. At the same time, it would create an even bigger gap between the Euroleague teams and the rest of the Europe right now. Because if, if Euroleague clubs start profiting uh, some crazy numbers just by participating, then there's no mm. way any teams from EuroCup or, or any other competitions could, could catch up to them. So definitely then we're talking about more or less a closed circle because you will have to grant an A license to that Dubai team. It will become one of the shareholders probably. And that would bring a lot of changes. However, I just love EuroLeague uh, basketball and quality might even improve because if with more money, we would see even more players coming back from the NBA and better signings, better teams, better lineups, bigger contracts, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, potentially that team could have crazy deals with uh, some real NBA players, you know? I mean, those who might not get, uh, who might- You mean the team just, from Dubai? Yeah, I mean, the team from Dubai could have, you know, they will have a lot of money, so, a guy who is getting a minimum contract in the NBA could potentially make crazy money in Dubai. And let's say, okay, maybe I'm not going to play for the NBA ring for this one year, but make a whole lot of money uh, for one or two years in Dubai. You know, we see these things with uh, in, in football, uh, players going to, to Asia to play for, for crazy money. What would be crazy money for the NBA player in Dubai? What, what, what do you think? Well, if a yearly club could offer six or eight million dollars a year a lot of players would sign because yeah. it's it's very simple why would you sign 
a $5 million contract in the NBA just to be a role player when you can take more money and play in a really strong competition. And only your league. I mean, yeah. there's no domestic competition. Yeah, we're not talking like top tier players like Kevin Durant or, or, or yeah. Steph Curry landing in, in Dubai and playing in the EuroLeague, but we're talking about some solid players that are making uh, decent money in the NBA, but they could have an opportunity to make even bigger bucks in, in, in EuroLeague. If, if Dubai you're, joins if you're, the- If you're signing 10 million contract in the NBA, this means you're making five. So if Dubai team yeah. offers you eight or even let's yeah. say 10, 10 million and you're playing one game per week and you are living in Dubai, I can see, uh, you know, some players coming over Especially and just- Especially veterans. Yeah, because Especially veterans, like, exactly. let's be real, uh, they can put as much money as they want into exactly. this project. Just, like I like said- insert your number in the contract. They are yeah. not here to make profits. They won't make any profits from basketball. Their goal is to build the reputation of Emirates and Dubai. So every opportunity with big sporting events uh, is is more than welcome. And now they saw this opportunity with basketball and probably if they host the final four, there wouldn't be any empty seats. They would make sure the gym would, yeah. be, would be packed. Just that we wouldn't see probably the real and passionate uh, fans uh, coming over. Coming over. Oh, but anyway, if, if, if like Olympiakos is in the final four, Anadolu Efes, they will get anywhere to, to support their team. Yeah. You could host the final four in, in Sydney, Australia, and they, they will find a way, <laughs> you know, but- 5K Greek fans. <laughs> in general, um, I don't have too much against this idea. Like, um, I'm not an advocate for for uh, uh, this inflation that happened in football because of, of of oil money. But at the same time, I'm enjoying watching Manchester City, for example. And I know that there's a lot of bad stuff behind. But if if, if we allow this in basketball, fine. The product will be better. But we will have mm. to live with some of some of oh, the conditions, so we'll have to accept some of the things that that come in that that package. Yeah, you mentioned Anadis. you mentioned few things, uh, starting with Russians. Uh, I saw that some people were questioning what Andrei Vatutin was doing uh, in this meeting in, in Dubai, and and from what I've heard, and some thought that you know maybe Dubai might be the path for CSK to come back somehow in the Euroleague. But from what I heard, I mean. There are no signs and no intentions that EuroLeague tr would try to do something, you know, to get CSK uh, back. Uh, then, uh, regarding to the club, uh, it, it's 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 very mysterious. I would say what kind of budget that club would have. Mm, again, there are no clear indications if there would be a team. What kind of team uh, it would be. At the same time, from what I heard, at least from these premature talks, uh, there is a idea that it should be, let's say, a sustainable club. But I mean, I just don't it, believe. It. I there's mean, there's no such thing as a sustainable, sustainable basketball club. club. Uh, maybe I mean, sustainable club it could be Bayern Munich, especially when they're gonna build the, their and uh, they're gonna finish to build the new arena. Sustainable club could be I don't know Alba Berlin, but we're talking about mid-tier Euroleague uh, clubs, and Dubai creating a team here. I don't see that happen uh, happening. I mean, if if Emporio Armani Milan is a sustainable club, then that's okay. It's not a sustainable club. They have a rich owner, so I believe that it, it would be at least something like Emporio Armani Milan, but probably uh, mm. which I'm talking about thirty million budget. Mm. But I believe that it would catch these um, Euroleague powerhouses like Barca and Real Madrid, uh, and they have around forty million budget. Um, regarding those players, I mean. 
if if they would have this sustainable club idea of course it would be impossible to offer five from five to eight million euros uh, to to one nba player but at the same time if we're talking about the team in dubai if you want to have fans yeah. in your games you have to give them something some 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 candies you know and i could clearly see bringing at least one or two nba guys just to uh, fill the gym so I don't know. I'm I'm not against uh, against this idea uh, at all. Uh, I think this is intriguing market, and from from what I hear, all the yearly, yearly clubs are also, uh, let's say, they have a good desire for the further uh, cooperation of this potential market of this potential team or the final four idea. Because I mean, they basically have everything except from being in a good location on the map just just check the map on google maps and you will see how far it is uh, from europe and for the most teams it would take something around six or seven hours to fly over there probably even by charter flight okay with turkish teams or Maccabi, maybe it's a little bit shorter but for the rest of the euroleague it's tough at the same time you can you know we had Gran Canaria team in the Euroleague. You have Tenerife in, in Champions League, for example. And all these trips, they're not as easier uh, as this trip would be. And other than that, they have everything. They have NBA uh, level arena with 17,000 people. They have top class hotels, top class services, uh, reception, intriguing markets, intriguing uh, potential, and it would just help the clubs. And as I mentioned, what kind of value it would create for other clubs, that's a good uh, question. Because uh, if, let's say this number of 60 million is is, is, is real, it's is true. I think that this would be much uh, higher number than Turkish Airlines gives to the EuroLeague. Just and a bigger price pool. And let's say, theoretically, you can share, you can distribute all this money between teams. And basically, it is, let's say, uh, at least 3 million million. uh, to each Mm. team. And actually, I I, I listened uh, recently to our Lithuanian podcast. And I think Jonas Miklovas had a good idea. Let's, let's, or or it was Carlos, anyways. uh, Let's try to share, you know, Let's try to share the bigger pool of that, uh, more money from from that pool to lower budget teams, and let's give less to these richest ones, just to improve the bottom, uh, mm. to help them to be on a higher level. And it comes to Rita's idea that the margin, the gap between Euroleague clubs and the rest of Europe would be even higher. But actually, Euroleague as the, let's say, commercial product, that's what they're trying to do. But that idea is impossible. I mean. Why would shareholders agree that they give money to... to they might have some, uh, let's say, um, different goals. Uh, from what I heard, especially football clubs, uh, these brands like Barca, Real Madrid, even Fenerbahce, uh, these are big brands also in Dubai. And they might benefit um, from, from you know, in branding reasons, from mark- marketing standpoint, they could get some uh, features from different, uh, in in a different ways. And these other clubs, lower budget clubs, they would just get some more money from the whole uh, uh, pool of money that Dubai could uh, bring. Mm. So, you know, maybe it's possible to make everybody happen, uh, happy I think, in different I think ways. if you have a bigger prize pool still, it's it's the money you have to earn by winning basketball games. And if, if you start giving money to someone who's underperforming, then 
you're basically creating a platform to do the tanking stuff uh, that, that, that was, happens in the NBA. I was thinking about the same thing. Because if Bayern Munich as an underdog qualifies for the playoffs, it means they get less money than they would no, get I think it by would finishing 14th. Related uh, not on the situation in the standings, but m even maybe even in a budget situation. Uh, you know, there are these salary uh, caps, uh, but, you know, luxury but, taxes in the NBA. Your league, uh, you know, I mean, it, it all comes to the situation where, as you mentioned, okay, 3 million euros to each team. What is 3 million euros for Barca and what is 3 million euros for Alba Berlin? I mean, that's a huge difference. Um, so, I mean, I would I would be okay if that well, would be I'd, distributed. I don't get the model how they would distribute it fairly, but anyway, if I may add another thing, uh, why is it different than, than like Emirates or Qatar money in football? Is because uh, in football world, basically the whole community, European football community, the traditional clubs and everybody else got upset because they are generating income and spending money from their own pocket, from what they make. And all of a sudden there's a club like Manchester City that just has crazy amount of cash with inflated sponsorship deals and they just can go out there and buy what, whatever they want. The same happened with Paris Saint-Germain later. And in basketball, either way, it's not a fair playground. Either way, you have clubs ran by oligarchs, by sugar daddies uh, who are just spending their own money to win some titles. You don't have a sustainable system in basketball where, where clubs generate income and go that natural way, let's say. So this is why if you bring a team from Dubai, it's no different than a rich Turkish guy financing Anadolu Efes or Emporio Armani financing guy, Milan. If that guy is kind of financing the whole tournament and, and it, our teams. In, in this case, he's not only financing his own <laughs> club, he's financing the whole, whole league. Like I said, in football, it is different because these teams, like Manchester City will forever be hated because of their owners, because of how they got their success. And there are these historical clubs that build their own success and and like Liverpool or Manchester United, uh, they have American owners, but American owners don't spend their own money. They, they just spend take, what the club money. They just spend what the club generates. The commercial value is that big. There's no such thing in basketball. So either way, you're you're living in a world where um if somebody wants to pump some money and win the Euroleague, they can do that. And Alba Berlin will have nothing to do against that. So uh, yeah, so it's it's it. Basketball world is different. We know that, and you need a lot less money to do something, because so, sixty million dollars is is not that crazy mm. when you think about it. And when we think about eighteen team tournaments, if 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 this is the cost to buy the name, like to make it the Emirates Euroleague. I think it's kind of cheap. And it's not just for the name, it's also for the yeah. hosting final. Obviously, us. you get a, a lot more, yeah, yeah. but it's it's just that uh, the name will be Emirates, not not Turkish Airlines in in that case. It's crazy just about last thing about this uh, about this number, 60 million. You listen to NBA hmm. signing these deals, you are talking about billions or even, you know, more money and here is like 60 million and we're talking it's like here in europe we're talking about football, like a football, team, football teams are buying players for more than uh more than 100 yeah rudy gobert makes almost 40 million dollars a year now the whole league would get 60. <laughs> i think we wherever can, you we put can go rudy to gobert and his contract it's already a very unfair situation 
Yeah, let's go to the next mm-hmm. question uh, by Jorgos. Uh, who do you think is top three or top five? Oh, let's stay with top three best European players who never played in the NBA. Love from Greece. Like ever? Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let's say in modern era. Because like uh, if, if we're talking about all time, we would have to speak about Nikos Gallis. But exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm too young to remember. From these uh, recent modern EuroLeague stars, I would say definitely Diamantidis, Modiroga. Yep. yep. Mitic. Um, Mitic. I actually, actually had Ramona Shishkauskas. I mean, he was also close to making the NBA. I'm not saying, you know, he, he belongs to the top three greatest players, but I think he, he's in a con- conversation. To me, like Diamantidis and Modiroga, it's, it's a lock. Because yeah, yeah. both of these, b- both of them, uh, not only could have played in the NBA, I could see them being successful in the NBA. Because first of all, we're talking about a tall point guard that is crazy good on defense and also is very smart offensively. For example, I could see Diamantidis playing under Coach Popovich, and Bodiroga was just a game changer. Whether he played for the national team or or at club level, uh, like a point forward a very modern type of player was probably ahead of his time a little bit he sham got at Carmelo Anthony as far as I remember uh, his skills were, were crazy and if if such a talent would be found in Europe right now he, he would be drafted and go straight into the NBA by by 19 or 20 years old but it, these were different times and Bodoroga probably sometimes is an e- e- even underrated as a basketball player not mentioned enough well right now we're mentioning him as the new head of the EuroLeague but but as a basketball player he was just pure skill yeah so Diamantidis and Boduroga for sure and we can discuss about the other name Mitsic, Shishkauskas those are good options probably I had Galis, Boduroga and Mitsic. yeah Nikos Galis has to be in there yeah. but yeah, I mean, if, if we are not, if we are taking you know the these re- recent more recent players then uh, Diamantidis yeah for sure uh, there was a question by fan from Israeli but since his name was in Hebrew I cannot read it uh, in your opinion who's the best Euroleague player of all time the again modern or that's a tough question I started watching basketball since 1999. So for me, it's very hard to you know value all these. Maybe let's stick Gal- to like let's stick, let, let's stick to the modern, modern Euroleague era. Two thousands modern Euroleague era. But you know, best. Uh, what do you mean, best Euroleague player of all time? So it's simply a, the best player, the most skillful player that ever played, even no. for one season, or who won so the most titles. It's up to you because that's okay. a, like constant debate uh, uh, in the yeah. NBA. I mean, it's a comparison game, you know. Let's say MJ is considered as goat in the NBA, right? Who is the closest to MJ figure in Europe? To me, bec- but um, again, in this discussion, he might lose because he didn't play that long in the Euroleague. But from what I've witnessed. And the best basketball player with best abilities that I saw was Anthony Parker. <laughs> that's that's the that was the first player that kind yeah, of needed to my mind as well. But he played here just three seasons, right? I know, yeah. so it's hard to consider him as a goat. I know, but like no, like he August, won three times. August raised the question: 
what are we talking about? Are we talking about the best player with the best abilities or the best legacy by playing 16 yeah. I think 16 everything seasons? has to be uh, taken in, into consideration. Because, for example, okay, we have MG. And when you t you're talking about MG, you have to include skill, clutchness, his personality, the impact, the impact see, he made the worldwide, going, uh, championships, history. Mr. Uh, and I'm going for Vasilis Spanoulis. <laughs> I mean, he's a three-time EuroLeague champ, one of the most skilled players in Europe, the all-time top scorer. Uh, he led underdog team to two uh, EuroLeague uh, titles. Uh, Luka Doncic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, they were looking after him when they were growing up. So taking this whole package, I think that Spanulis was closest to MG. But of course, it also has a lot to do because we're just taking this uh, period of time since 2000s. Well, Spanulis is a bigger legend, but is he a better basketball player than Anthony Parker? I mean... These comparisons, I think they're not right when we're talking about goals. Yeah, but that's and the question. I, I think, guys, like you're talking about best EuroLeague player of all time. So I think the first, the Anthony Parker is the right answer if we are talking about, you know, the best player that won something at least, but played, let's say, not a lot of seasons in the EuroLeague. And Vasilis Panoulis is the right answer. He's, you know, best player who had the best career and played uh, all mm. his life in the EuroLeague. So this is like, a correct answer by or a good answer by I could, both of you. I don't know. I could change the question and it would make a little bit more sense. Like, who would be the one player you would start your EuroLeague team? That player is at his <laughs> prime and you start a new team and you can pick one player in the modern EuroLeague era. Luka Doncic. But you know Luka. that you're go you're, you're going to lose him when he's 18. Like his oh, okay, okay. his prime in Euroleague okay. was what 17 years old. <laughs> nah, I mean, I would take Spanulis if I know he's playing for hmm. uh, his whole career, and I have Anthony Parker for like four uh, or what five three years. years. I think it was three years. No, he played uh, four maximum uh, from 2003 2006 in Maccabi, and then from 2000 2002. But I don't know if they were playing in the Euroleague then. So yeah, anyway, that's a tough question. That's a tough question. You know, you could put uh, the Raga name in there. You can put... And the uh, thing is that we don't have the MJ in Europe. In One uh, clear player who would be, you know, on top of the top. We we have more players around, let's see, Kobe. Kobe class of uh, players where you can, you know, put one ahead uh, of It would of be other. much easier to let's say build an all-time starting five than, than to pick just one greatest mm. player because if you build an all-time starting five you have space for Spanulis, you have space for Parker and you have Mantidis space for, or Charis yeah or, for for a point guard uh, one of those legendary point guards so and then you just pick from some of the greatest centers we we've and then you have Kyle seen. Hines who has won four times which is tied for the most titles and uh he has the best winning percentage and he has the most wins fair enough yeah but I mean Choosing Kyle Hines as the best player of EuroLeague of all time would be maybe a bit too much, you know. But one of the most influential, impactful, impactful for sure players that changed basketball. Of course, we're talking about Mike Batiste as the first real star underside center in the EuroLeague, but Kyle Hines like took it to another level mm. in terms of defense. And up to now, he's considered a Best defensive player in the league. In the league. That's crazy. <laughs> He's 35, 36. Yeah. 
Euroliga po polsku. Uh, what do you think about Shar's uh, time in uh, Barca and if there is any possibility that he will get fired early with bad start of the season? Greetings from Poland, Marius. I don't think he he's going to get fired, but it is contract year. So if the season doesn't go very well, if they in the end they are not counting trophies, uh, I could easily see the contract not being extended. Whether it will be from Shara's side that he doesn't want to stay or the club just doesn't want to keep him, it's 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 hard to tell. Re- regarding this firing thing, I think that he could get fired only if, for example, during or early in the season, uh, Barca would reach an agreement with Xavi Pascal uh, for his return the next mm. summer. And if things go wrong, if Xaras loses the locker room, if these, you know, Calaitis Xaras things happening in, in this uh, current roster, maybe they would go, you know, with some assistant coach uh, just to finish uh, the season and to prepare the team for Xavi Pascal. In any, any other case, I hardly see Xaras getting fired in this team during the season. I mean, I'm not going to speculate of his if he's going to get fired or not I don't you know but just what do you think about Shara's time in Barca is uh sometimes I think I believe the process and the improvement are overlooked a lot in Europe I mean we are only only talking about winning titles and winning uh, trophies at least some some you know ACB you're talking about the local league but um, and if you don't win titles it's immediately dubbed as a bad season you know I don't think that's kind of fair and uh, you have to take into consideration what team Barca was before Shares came there. It was, let's say... They didn't make the Final Four since 2014 and they didn't want the Spanish League it's since It's a little bit unfair because they probably would have been in the Final Four in the season that the pandemic uh, yeah. stopped because they were already with Miritic. They were the first or the second seed at that time in the regular season. I know they were coached by Pesic and he probably didn't have a lot of fans. But but uh, that season they were Final Four material, surely. But they just didn't have the opportunity to prove that. And then they played the ACB League uh, playoffs uh, with the knockout tournament in a bubble. And, 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 and three and, months later or two months later. Yeah, and they lost June. to Basconia, but it was like a not a real Spanish championship, I yeah. would say. And then Pesic left and the Sharas era started. So uh, I can say this, like there are a lot of improvements. Uh, there are a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, there is a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, the way Sharas plays basketball, he makes some players better. But we saw that it doesn't really help to some of the players that are already proven elite players like Nick Kaledis. Uh, in Jalgiris, he was working with players that don't have a name in Europe. They made their name by playing in Jargiris. Later on, they signed big contracts. In Barca, it's different. And when we were talking about this big budget club that has to win, I would always prefer an easier approach like Pablo Lasso uh, in, in Real Madrid. But I know that Charles is a basketball genius. He pays so much attention to detail. He's always very demanding. The actual thing that the players stay with him and play for him, players like Mirotic, he could easily get his money somewhere else. But Mirotic wants to win, and Sharas is convincing him this is the right way for us to try and win. Oh, and yeah. they were in two Final Fours. They played in a final. So it, they were a little bit unlucky not to win at least one title as of yet. But, well, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, and 
And the just, Spanish league is the hardest local yeah, league in Europe. So you play best of five against Real Madrid, even though last season probably Barca were the favorites. So they have so far two uh Copa del Rey titles and one Spanish league title. It's not that bad, but people are obviously focusing on the Euroleague. To me, yeah. if we're talking about the Euroleague, as long as you make it to the final four, it's already acceptable. And in the final four, anything can happen. You can lose by, by a buzzer elimination. beater. Yeah, it's a single uh, elimination game. And talking about uh, firing the head coach, Barcelona is not known for firing coaches during the season. If you remember, uh, they were coached by Barzokas in 2016, 2017. It wasn't a, it wasn't a good season for Barca by any measures, but they they stayed with Barzokas until the end of the season, and then they they opted out. They had a three year contract with Barzokas. They allowed him to finish the season, and just after that, they made a decision. So Barca is really not known for firing uh, coaches before Christmas. Yeah, and I think that. Sito Alonso was the last coach. Uh, I, I think was... so, yeah. But that was a really terrible start for, for yeah. him. So, and if if any of the head coaches are fired, it's either Pesic or Dusko Ivanovic coming back to Barcelona, right? <laughs> we're just probably <laughs> thinking about Xavi Pascual coming back next season. But just but the next season. This season, yeah. I don't see any point in firing Sharas because uh, also there was a continuity. It's not like it is his first year. He already created a system you know, for this team. If a new coach uh steps in midway of the season barca will still continue to play by shara system these players already have it in their heads maybe the newcomers don't like like satoransky or vesely they did mm -hmm. they're new but but uh, i don't think a new coach would improve and change a lot during the season because we're talking about uh, a team that is based on a very big playbook basketball principles rules it's like if somebody replaces ataman in an adult fs it's an easier process i remember when panat naikos fired chavi pascal they brought rick petino so it was a huge change coming from this very tough playbook and to a coach who makes things very simple but you cannot say that you know it was a success uh, that changed. Okay, I, I, I think that they still made the playoffs. They made the but playoffs. But I mean, they, they didn't have But when something like chance. that happens, players usually still continue the season with the same luggage they had from their previous coach. Like, in my opinion, when... It's when the way you're used. It's, it's a habit, you know, so... Yeah, well, Martin Schiller had a decent first year in, in, in Jalgiris. It was a lot due to the fact that players like Grigonis, Walkup, and, and some others were basically developed by Sharas. As, as Euroleague players and they knew how to play and the coach didn't need to do that much. Obviously, they played different basketball, but the players already had a lot of lessons mm -hmm. learned from from Sharas. So Barca, I, I cannot see them firing the coach, but whether they win titles this year is very hard to tell because Real Madrid is stacked and Euroleague is stacked as well. You but, can easily lose to FS, Milan, or any other elite team. And, you know, you can mm, just... Uh compare Sharas to, I don't know, like, for example, Ettore Messina in, in Milano. They have a huge budget as well. But I don't hear, at least, or I don't see him being criticized as much as Sharas is for basically uh, similar re results, in, both in the local league, because they they won one, one time and they lost once uh, in Italian league finals, and then in the EuroLeague, they made one final four and uh this year they lost to Nadolu. So 
they have the similar kind of budget, but they, at least, you know, from what I hear in Italy, they appreciate the process. They appreciate to how Messina changed the team, changed the atmosphere in, you know, in the organization. So it's just, I don't know, maybe it's Charas who is getting uh, a lot of attention because of how he is, of how his team plays. Yeah, not only how his team plays, also how he, how, he how acts, he's behaving, how he, how he acts in the press conferences, uh, how he's trying to put pressure on everybody. And you don't see too many EuroLeague coaches these days that are shouting as much as Shadas is. Mm. He's not shouting at some rookies. He's shouting at <laughs> EuroLeague stars. The comments from Nicolaitis is that He's 33 years old, he's not 20, he knows how to play basketball. Or the comments from Adam Hanga when he joined Madrid that in Madrid I will get to use my talent a little bit more. These comments don't come from nowhere. But not every player wants to play for Sharas. That's true, that's the fact. But I mean, he's not the only one coached like that. Okay, okay, you never heard anything like that uh, about Jelko Bradovic. But I mean, there are a lot of things, at least behind the scenes, uh, considering Etre Messina and the way he works. Even Dimitri Setudis, there are reasons why Milutinov or, or Decolo uh, didn't join Fenerbahce when Etudis was appointed as the head coach. I mean, every coach, especially from these, let's say, old school uh, coaches uh, coming off Jelko Bradovic school. school. <laughs> exactly. I mean, they are tough coaches and you know, the game is changing, the players are changing, the mentality is changing, mm. and you have to be, you know, you have to find a good balance between being strict and between being a player's coach. But I think that Sharas is, I, I don't see any other really coach who is criticized as much as Sharas, and I think it's unfair because even, you know, he was, uh, his ability was questioned, uh, after, especially questioned after the last season when they didn't win a, a title in Spanish League and EuroLeague. But I mean, Pablo Lasso is mentioned as one of these big examples, how to handle the team, how to make everybody happy, how to use the talent. But I mean, from the rich club standpoint, when you look at their results, what did they do actually in the last two years? They didn't win the EuroLeague title, they won the Spanish league only once and they lost both uh, Copa del Rey. So I think that the amount of criticism that Chávez uh, gets is just uh, unfair. I understand the points, why they're criticizing him, but how I value his uh, tenure in Barca, I think he was efficient for Barca, reaching the titles. That's what uh, rich clubs are mm. going for. I, I can agree. I can agree with you to some extent. Like basically, judging Real Madrid uh, without the context that they were coping without a point guard. For you cannot judge probably any team long without the context. Barca had a better roster than Madrid in these last couple of years. That's that's for sure. Like. Real Madrid's only strength at some point was Last Eddie Tavares. Sure. And, and in the final four, when they won the El Clasico semifinal, they didn't have a playmaker. Their their best creator on the court was Fabian Cosset. So I, I, I'm not judging Real Madrid only by titles because they were one shot away from winning the EuroLeague last season with the roster that they had, with the, all the problems that they had, without a point guard. With the mid-season uh, loss period yeah, that they had. It, it's just my own personal preference that if I have smart, experienced, talented players, I would prefer to play simple basketball because they know what to do on the court. They know how to play basketball. And this is why I'm a fan of Pablo Lasso. I actually love the Aito Garcia Reneses dynasty being continued by Israel Gonzalez and Alba Berlin because 
this is what I prefer. But I know that some people prefer strict coaches with a lot of detail, a lot of attention to detail, a big playbook and 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 that stuff. And when when they win by some genius plays, you always praise them. What a great tactical de decision he made. Because you're praising Gataman for building a good team, but not necessarily being a genius tactician. He's just building a good modern basketball team and winning titles right now. Duby has a question. Uh, who is the free agent that can make Maccabi a playoff team? Um, I don't know. Uh, first of all, it's not the it's admissions. not just about free agents. It's it's again to me. It's all about Wade Baldwin, Odet Katash. Is it the right fit? Uh, obviously, if you can sign a player like Tyler Dorsey, it's, it makes your team better. But, but it, do it, they need player like Tyler Dorsey? Well, if uh, right now Eric to change like, like Darren Hillard, in, yes. In, instead of somebody like if Darren Hillard yeah. is out for a while, then maybe yes. Uh, I I would love to have a pure stretch four on that roster, in order to stop playing the lineups with Poitras and Nebo on Chris the Singleton. Chris Singleton is not enough of a stretch four to me, and the other thing is that he's aging. And we saw in the last few seasons that he only gets in in sort of a good rhythm for the final in, four, in basically spring, in spring. <laughs> and Maccabi needs wins in the regular season, so I'm not so sure about the free agent. I I'm totally against an idea of bringing Dwayne Bacon, for example, to this roster because that would be crazy <laughs> in my eyes. So I don't I, I don't know. If I had an opportunity to replace Wade Baldwin with Tyler Dorsey, I would do that. Things oh, would yeah. be a lot easier. They're different players and I think better fit. And right now they have around. the injury problem with Hilliard and some rumors about Austin Hollins. So maybe one, one they will to leave. Maybe they will need to sign a shooting guard. So Tyler Dorsey will be uh, a very wanted player. He played in Maccabi actually before he joined Olympiacos. And I mean, he had some good good seasons there. I don't have a particular name, but I just think that they are missing the player who could play without the ball, who could play defense, who would bring some uh, experience and who would help this team click. Because I'm actually surprised by some rumors of, you know, them targeting Luca Vildoza, then there's Matt Thomas' name. I mean, there are so different players. And even Luca Vildoza, I mean, don't they have? Don't you, they have uh, enough uh, playmakers? I mean, uh, I just don't. I don't feel that these these players, uh, except from Matt Thomas, he's more of a role player. Let's say shooter you can use. Actually, Matt Thomas would be a great fit for Barcelona, for example. There are to replace, uh, some replace teams that, that that would love to have Matt yeah. Thomas on their roster. But I mean, I, I don't have a particular name, but they need a different type of uh, guy. Of course, if Hillert is out for long, that's a different conversation. From what I hear, he might be uh, out for at least two months. And knowing his injury history, it might be not easy, you know, uh, to recover. Very unlucky player, although very skilled, very, very cool dude. So let's let's wish him a speedy recovery. But in this case, it's it's really hard to find one, one piece that will help this Maccabi team to clip to become a playoff team. Huge again, potential, huge potential. So over far, there, only but. one game played, and they have that one win. So let's yeah. let's see what happens. We're, yeah. we're judging them based on our projections, but maybe it turns out much better than we expect. Because like, they have the potential to turn on way better. 
uh, when everybody of, expected. Of and there comes the question about uh, Dorsey. Uh, assuming Tyle Dorsey is set free from Mavericks, where do you see him landing in Europe? Is he a still good fit for Olympiacos? I think Olympiacos is sorted because if you sign Tyler Dorsey, um, that means I, you I know don't, that I, I don't see Cannon has to go. I don't see how you play Isaiah Cannon. Barsokas loves to use his 11 or 12 man rotation, but in this case, you will have to leave somebody out of the 12 man rotation. And, and you cannot leave uh, Larry the legend out of the rotation, right? Yeah, and um, Tyler Dorsey <laughs> with with a Greek passport, a Greek national team player will be would be a very important piece and in that that case Isaiah Cannon I don't see how he can stay in Olympiacos so so if you replace Cannon by Dorsey I think it's an improvement for Olympiacos because you have a player who don't need any time to but adjust right now I don't see a reason to let Isaiah Cannon go he played uh, you are not making that decision yes after one game or of after yeah, of and, and that of was not a bad game for him especially the third I mean quarter, he, so. he had a tough preseason it's not but like one Cannon game brings but there's a lot enough of time to you know in, in implement him into yeah, the so, so Can Cannon brings a lot of good to the team it's not like we're talking about the player that's gonna struggle in Olympiacos mm. you either bring Dorsey and just you know as an additional option as the fifth I uh, think Anadolu Efes actually if Larkin is out and if he especially if he's out longer than than Expected. There's there's this thing about, what about FS. Virtus though. But just let me finish yeah, sure. about FS. I think that Dorsey would be perfect replacement for Larkin for one month or two. But what happens next when Larkin is back? I'm just afraid that it's a very tough team. I mean, you can remember what happened with Elijah Brandt, with Musa, with Petrushev. Okay, now they have more players, but it's not easy to stay in the rotation or at least to get uh, this solid role, you know, when all the uh, players are coming back. So I'm just not sure what would be Dorsey's role when Larkin's coming back. Well, but if you're signing a contract till the end of the season... From uh, FS standpoint, of course, you, it's an easy decision. But and, from and Dorsey's uh, look, view, Tyler I'm not Dorsey, sure. maybe when Larkin is back, wouldn't have the ball in his arms as much as he wants to, but he could win the Euroleague and after the season sign with somebody else. So I, I could see that happening. But Virtus, as you said, is another interesting option, probably because we saw in the first game against Monaco that they were sort of lacking of a ball handler. And, exactly and and some some spark some position. fresh energy fresh legs you know in in the guard position how many I, guards I'm, they I'm would looking, have then exactly that's that's the other question but i'm just looking at other teams or either either you know they are projected to be in the in the you know mid to bottom teams that probably darcy is not going to i mean i imagine him as being in you know in the in the playoff team that has that has money to sign him. So from those options, you know, I see I see Virtus Bologna. And what about that, that Barca? Needs him. If Kurch out for long, if Higgins is in and out all the time? Well, but if it's just a like-for-like like replacement uh, for Kurich, then Matt Thomas is probably a better fit. You need a shooter that is no, of course off the ball. In that case, if Matt Thomas is coming back well, to, to Europe, but that's a tough I tough could thing. say that Fenerbahce is even an option. Scotty Wilbekin sometimes has, has injuries. Carson Edwards, who knows if it's going to work out for him. And then you, you have Mamutoglu, Akpinara, and Goodrich. So like in the shooting guard position, you could have more quality and you can add more quality. So Tyler Dorsey landing in Fenerbahce would make some sense, in, in my opinion. 
what wouldn't make any sense would be Monaco. <laughs> but at yeah, the same time, yeah. they tend to surprise us all uh, the last year. Um, Virtus Bo, um, Serbia. Question: Can can each one of you name three players? Let's let's make it simpler to one player. Uh, also from past Euroleague editions, telling where team or with coach you would have been curious to watch him playing. Obviously, with a brief explanation. Thanks and congrats for the channel. P.S. Postscriptum. Mine is Teodosic playing under Obradovic, even though I'm not sure how it would could have worked. Like one player from the past playing yeah. for any uh, for one any team. coach or any team. Luka under Shars. Huh. Why you want to ruin? Just want to see. No, how I, it I'm works? not ruining it. I'm just just wanted to see, you know, how Sharas and how Luca handle each other, and you know, maybe what, what he would, would be that guy who would change Sharas' approach. I don't know. I mean, to unlock I'm just, all the potential Sharas would have this changing is the, his mentality. This is the hypothetical situations. I I think this would this could be fun. You know. And I think it is impossible to ruin Luca because he he's just too good. I mean, he's still deciding on the court. He's a know, natural so. talent, and you could see it from 15 years old. So it's impossible to ruin a player like this. I actually have a funny one uh, because I remember there were. I thought, I thought mine was funny too. You know, Luca under shots. Pretty hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I have a um, a very different player. Uh, I remember there were some rumors. Like 17 years ago, that Panathinaikos were trying to sign Tanaka Bird from Jalgiris, mm. if you remember that. And I, I would have loved seeing Tanaka Bird and his approach uh, on defense in Obradovic team. <laughs> How Jelko would treat he would him. He would be out soon. Yeah, he would be out. But he would be out with a bang. Oh, yeah. As he was out with the bang. With uh, bang like Draymond Green? In, in Konas. Possibly. Possibly, why not? <laughs> so that that's a funny, no. funny idea I I had in my head while you were reading the question. Vidas uh, Ginevich under Olympiakos. <laughs> okay, uh, I didn't try. I didn't spend a lot of time on this question, but I just thought what kind of combination would have been for for Sharas to play under Greg Popovich in San Antonio. I think it was the time when he was choosing between Indiana, Cleveland, and maybe San Antonio was still an option. And how Greg and Spurs system would have helped him, let's say, to have a better shot in the NBA. I could see him as a good backup to Tony Parker, like... Ben Oudry was a backup uh, when they won the title in 2005. So Sharas is definitely a better player than Ben Oudry. Would have been interesting. He went to Pacers and in the end became the third option in his position. I was just, let's say, surprised and disappointed by Sharas' approach when he went to the NBA. I mean, mm. he even in his own book, he revealed that he was just partying, enjoying his time. Uh, in, in summer, he got some uh, additional kilos. And I mean, he, he wasn't, al he already, he wasn't, you know, the most physical, athletical, quickest guy uh, in the EuroLeague. So having this huge leap, his, this huge jump to NBA, I thought that, you know, it was kind of a wasted opportunity not to prepare yourself for this huge challenge. M and maybe a different approach in that situation could have held him a little bit, you know, to to adapt in the league. So I don't know. It was it was interesting. Anyway, uh, Gout T 
Deep Pack. Okay. Uh, what You're is, struggling with these. Names. I mean, Gauss Deep Pack. How how can you read this name? Uh, anyways, uh, what do you think of my idea? I know it won't happen, but that there would be just one FIBA window before each tournament. In that case, best NBA and EuroLeague players could participate, just like we had uh, this summer. Uh, for instance, it could start on uh, 1st of August for two weeks and then actual tournament for an hour. And uh, yeah, that's that's the main question. Did you like this uh, format? Like playing qualifiers no, and then FIBA going straight Windows to the tournament? during the season is a great idea, but... Uh, or at least, you know, just, you know, having this only one window during the season. No, no, but I mean... You mean this this one in in August before the tournament? So basically, your uh, friendly oh, he's games. suggesting two windows in in August, or let's say you know. Yeah, no, one window in August for two weeks. Okay, that's it. Ah, You're playing play all, all the, the games. Okay, let's say you play the qualifiers to the World Cup, and then if you qualify, you play for you play the World Cup after two weeks. I mean, it's not possible, probably due to organization and and all that kind of stuff, and. Uh, I don't see how uh, NBA players spend, uh, you know, four weeks preparing, then two weeks playing, then two mm. weeks waiting, and then two weeks playing. That's that's too much of a time uh, to spend uh, with your national team. Uh, we are losing lights. We lost one of somebody shooting lights out. Yeah. So, I mean, no, no, no windows during the season is a great idea. Yeah, but <laughs> count me in on that one. But <laughs> I hate these windows in basketball. I hate these windows in in football. And uh, Let, let's admit, watching Yanis and Jokic uh, before the Eurobasket was a pure joy, pure pure pleasure. But at the same time, amazing. it's mm, first of all the quality already suffers because it's kind of just the part of the preparation for the tournament, like Eurobasket, the final stage. And the second thing is that it's. That kind of situation is possible only when you're playing your regional tournaments like Eurobasket. Uh, because if you're going to play World Cup in Philippines, you don't have time, you don't have chance to play two games in Europe and then go straight there. Because usually national teams, they're spending at least one week, you know, in that specific uh, continent like Asia, for example, mm. or, 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 you know, North America when the tournament is over there. So... I think it's only possible when you have Eurobasket and you play European qualifiers but, for you know, either tournaments. There is still there are still NBA rules that don't allow NBA yeah, players to spend more than four or five weeks to prep to prep for the game. So I don't see There is no chance you can play four games, you know, before the tournament. So unless it worked like this this summer with two games before the Eurobasket. But again the quality suffers. So I think the only way is to have the basketball season shorter and if you finish earlier, it's possible to have like a qualifying window in June, mm-hmm. and the players gather, they play some of the games, uh, and then they go on holiday. And I can see the players. I mean, obviously, I can see the players in those uh, yeah, but windows. You're in still the- playing until June twenty fifth, right yeah, now. So crazy. imagine if you finish your season before June, mm-hmm. you could join the national team for two weeks, yeah. and then go on holiday. I know for NBA players it would be dif- difficult because if you go if you're going to the NBA finals then if Giannis is going for example to the NBA finals he's not he's not going to be there but even FIBA people admit that as long as we have the EuroLeague players and some of the NBA players that would be enough 
we're not dreaming mm-hmm. about having everybody uh, yeah. during the qualifiers. So maybe that could be a solution, but it's a very difficult situation right now. Anyway, just like August, I'm I'm all in for not having these windows during the season because the, the basketball we we're witnessing during those windows is ridiculously bad and they're playing with the national team jerseys but you know that most of these players will not be in their real competitions so and you can't it, com- can't prepare in three days yes anything yes close to real basketball you know exactly uh alexandros lianas uh, do you believe sasha vazenkov can get the mvp for olympiakos to reach the final four i think also he can get the alfonso for the world I don't think he's going to get the Alfonso Ford award, but the MVP is possible. If You think so? If they go to the final four, that's the condition. And uh, of course it depends on how he performs in the playoffs and probably he's going to have more or less similar numbers in the regular season like he did last year. Uh but the Alfonso Ford award I think it's unreachable. I mean, if you have an Adolo in the final four, Real Madrid and whatever one more team do you think he's winning the mvp over uh, clyburn mitic or tavares it depends it depends i mean i i think uh, it's really it, it would be really hard for him he has to average i don't know 18 points 19 points to to get that because simply because he's benefiting a lot from what other players are creating for him and uh uh definitely costas lucas is going to have you know not amazing stats but good stats so uh, wasn't Wazenkov like third in the MVP voting last season or fourth I don't really remember he was close I think he was in was in the conversation but, yeah but I when you think about the MVP I just think about the guys who made the biggest impact and I remember when the last year's MVP and there was this MVP yeah, conversation he, about he Mirotic a huge impact Wazenkov yeah but I, I mean I, I remember then there was this conversation between Mike James and Nikola Mirotic that if you put Mike I mean Mike James and his success with Monaco showed the value he brings to any team and especially underdog team and if it would be the same with Nikola Mirotic and when you think about Wazenkov uh, I mean I really like him uh, as my stretch four he's super efficient player we already told in the last podcast that he makes the least moves to become the most efficient guy uh, on the court because of his IQ because of how efficient he is but when you think about building the team I don't cons- I never I would never consider Vezenkov as my first pick for example which tells something about the players who make the biggest uh, impact so I think that to become the MVP he has to go for really really high numbers being close to I don't know 18 points per game 20 points per game and Olympiakos has to be you know of course they have to make the final four but they also have to be very successful in the regular season so it's 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 a really long shot having this uh, you know huge race with all the other Alfonso great players four trophy I don't, I don't, I don't see he, I don't see how winning. Mike James not winning the Alfonso for this season honestly last year was a successful Rozenkov and he was averaging uh, less than 14 points he was 13th uh, on the list Olympiakos is well run team yeah, having great offense but it's tough 
It's tough. You will not win the Alfonso Ford with 15-point average. No, no, no. Okay, for sure, no. What's, let's say, what's more real? Winning the Alfonso Ford award or the MVP I award said, for Bezenkov? To me, it looks yeah. like the MVP. MVP is more possible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. Okay. Uh, Dogush, uh, my question is, a week ago, Ataman told that FS is active on the market because of Larkin's injury. Bacon, Tio Maladon, Luca Vildoza, and Tyler Dorsey will be available on the market, uh, most probably, uh, in, in case of Dorsey, for example, or Vildoza. Will FS make a move for one of them? But I would change this question, uh, which player would be the best fit if we exclude Tyler Dorsey because we already had this conversation that he could be a nice fit. What about the uh, other names like Bacon, Maladon, and Bulldoza? Well, Bacon just doesn't make any sense. You have Clyburn. Um, Teo Maladon doesn't improve the team at all. I, I have a lot of doubts whether he he could actually be a successful player in the EuroLeague. So then th all that's left is Luca Vildosa. Which is also not the best um, fit, but I think. I mean, okay, if we're talking about somebody who could cover the minutes, uh, Larkin's minutes for, for two months, it's a player that loves to shoot uh, off the screen, plays a lot of pick and rolls, and he's a, he's a good shooter. So you have Mitzic running the team anyways. So from these names, if we're excluding Dorsey, I could only see Vildosa being there because Theo Maledon would end up like Janan Musa probably not even playing for Ataman. What can, can Ataman do with a point that. guard that doesn't have a jump shot? Mm. How can he be a, a replacement for Larkin? It's impossible. And Dwayne Bacon, like I said, just does not make any sense since they have Will Clyburn. Although we remember there he were some score, rumors, yeah. that, rumors that FS were interested in him in the summer. Yeah, but it was more about, you know, having this move before signing before Will Clyburn. Clyburn. Yeah. But he signed Will Clyburn during the Final Four, probably. Yeah, yeah. so maybe, you know, this information just came out uh, later. later. Shane Larkin is going, uh, going to miss, what? Another more, month, I think. Another month. But we know Larkin, he needs time to get back to his rhythm, usually. It's not like he's going to be back from the injury sure. and, and start scoring mm -hmm. 20 every game. He will need time. Probably we'll see the real Shane Larkin only in the second part of the season. I don't know, I could see them... Even without Larkin not going for a for an addition right now, even though it would help, but just you know signing Do signing Dorsey for the whole season. I mean, if you have this two month replacement, that's perfect. And we have you know NBA training camps uh, finishing, NBA season is coming, so we will have we may may have some interesting cuts. So I I'm not surprised why FS you know they're not rushing it, although they were talking about this potential addition. Uh, for the past few weeks, but as we see, you know, even Vildoza doesn't sound like you know the best option uh, right now to replace mm -hmm. uh, Larkin. So I mean, you have Rodrigo Bastil, who is who can always give you buckets uh, in a in any game. So if, if Bobois averages ten, like like he did against uh, Zvezda, and continues shooting close to fifty percent. Then you can live without yeah. Larkin for you a have, while. You have there's Elijah Bryant coming off the bench. Yeah, you have more options. You can play more inside game with Zizic, and you have Clyburn. It's a different FS team with some different weapons than it was uh, last year. So they're not as dependent on on perimeter players. Mm. Let's see. Okay, Lack ninety has the question. Is it Carolis Lakas now? Uh, <laughs> who who is the best? Uh, the best fans in Europe and why why Olympiacos fans okay nice question nice question 
Um, I, I, I don't want to... I wouldn't pick sides in this question. I, you know, I don't want to rate them. who are the best fans. I can say which atmosphere to me uh, is, is, is my favorite. So have you one? been uh, in, in, in real life in, to these atmospheres? Not at to all of them, but... Where have you been? Um, that's the favorite one is Maccabi. Oh, okay. Um, because for, for when they have a good team, yeah. That's but they usually uh, fill the arena and they're very passionate about their team. They can boo their own team if they're not playing good <laughs> basketball. That's another thing. And um, Olympiakos or Panathinaikos fans, I, I love the Greek support. I even love how they support the national team in, in the Eurobasket. But the thing is that it seems like OACA or the Peace and Friendship Stadium is almost, I'm not going to say empty, but it's a very big space. And if it's not a huge game, you would not get a very good atmosphere. And Olympiakos is playing some of the bottom teams. I know that the, the Ultras are doing their job, but the whole crowd is not really into it. When it was playoff time against Monaco, that was crazy shit. But but in general, I, I love Maccabi. Um, I love what they're doing, but it's kind of easy to list these uh, clubs that are have the best um, loud support, like the Serbian teams, uh, Greek teams, uh, Turkish, Turkish teams and Maccabi, and Jalgiris if, if the season is going well. But Jalgiris support is kind of different different here in Lithuania yeah you don't have everyone as into the game you know as in those Greek Serbia Tur Turkish Turkish uh, Turkey so it's so hard to find let's say to describe best fans because all these countries all these teams they're so unique with their fan bases and that's the main difference compared to the NBA because for example I mean I've been to some great crowds including Panathinaikos, uh, Olympiakos and uh, they have some own things uh, for example I don't remember more scared faces on the bench when I saw Jalgiris playing Red Star in Alexander Nikolic Hall for example when you know 8,000 people are shouting and jumping and you cannot hear the EuroLeague anthem mm. at the same time you know i remember i was in olympiakos jargis playoff series and it was the full uh, peace and uh, friendship uh, stadium and you know as mo the moment charas stepped in on the court you know they were just shouting they were killing uh, him cursing him and they just made very hostile environment in their mm. own way i was in derby between partisan and red star and i, I don't remember more let's say aggressive feeling more uh, there was this feeling that this crowd is very aggressive and it was not very cozy you know experience but at the same time it was unique so most of these teams Fenerbahce for example when they were successful when they I think that they had some they have some similarities with Maccabi mm. uh, because they have smaller gym uh, fans are pretty close uh, to the court and they can be uh, also very loud. It's fun to watch Anadolu Efes when this gym is uh, packed and when they're winning uh, games. I mean, all those teams, even, even for example, Aswell, I mean, they have this best announcer in all Europe, <laughs> you know, do. dancing, do. shouting, doing DJ stuff, um, announcing during the game. I mean, mm. th this is why EuroLeague is so unique with a lot of different cultures and with a lot of uh, different fan bases, which makes them actually, lovely to experience. Virtus actually adds a lot to the fan scene. The Virtus in Italy has probably better support than, than Mil Milano. 
but oh, that's although that's even easy. Milan's experience can be astonishing when they have full gym, when the team is winning, and you know they can also be loud. Well, that happens one time for you. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> you know, I was mean, lucky. Yeah, I was lucky on. to visit <laughs> Mediolanum twice or three times last season, and the gym I mean, was always and packed. In Bologna, you can't the, compare Virtus with in Bologna, they uh, really no, no, love no, basketball. No, no. They really love basketball. Yeah. Virtus has great fans, but actually, I'm not a I'm not in awe with all this aggressive environment that's, yeah, that's being created. I don't like watching basketball games feeling like at some point the crowd is going to yeah. erupt and something bad is going to happen. Uh, I just love the feeling when it's all about supporting the team, all about making the noise, all about catching the runs when the team is is going for like 10 yeah, mm, 10-0 run. The crowd is up there very electric. That's what I love. Then Maccabi it is. And this sort of war environment i don't i don't like yeah, it and i too. don't get it I, I, I know it happens sometimes in europe and you cannot avoid it but um especially you know, I, I don't see myself being in an environment like yeah. like this like you said hostile environment yeah me too you can you can make it hostile in a peaceful way let's say it's not necessary to throw things it's not necessary to have thousand of police uh, let's say it's security not even necessary to to insult people or you <laughs> exactly exactly you can but just this happens in every uh, in, in every country even with Maccabi fans where wasn't there the situation when some fans went to the locker room or something but the team was losing last last season there was some I think thing. so well you know I'm uh, I'm all up for booing the team if they're not playing good basketball yeah but I I get it but that's it doesn't but, have but to translate going after into some your, physical going after your your team's head coach or, or the players is is out of the line you know it's like if you are in your job doing your job somebody is booing you at your desk and then you know yeah okay that's that's that already would be a lot you know to expect but, I mean, let's, say, it, let's say your boss is booing you but then not only booing you and then coming yeah. to hit you or, or I don't know uh, trying to do something yeah if, I mean if I get some feedback from from viewers that I'm not doing particularly well on on a certain game, my coverage is poor or or something like that, I will always accept the criticism. But if somebody is waiting f for me outside the studio and wants to punch me in the face because I, I was very bad at at covering FS Monaco, or insulting then, you, you know, or or, or insulting me then yeah i would say it's not fair sometimes it's just this you know fan support makes me you know think a lot you know how how we got to this point of uh, of supporting and insulting your own team your uh the refs the other team players and mm. and stuff like that because it, it doesn't happen in, in in other jobs it just happens in in sports and you're just lashing out your emotions on uh, on your on the team you are supporting players so that's kind of crazy. But uh, my one of not not favorite moments, but the moment that stuck stu is stuck on my mind is when uh, Red Star fans is uh, singing the an their anthem or their song. I don't know what they're singing, but during the Euroleague anthem, and you cannot hear anything. <laughs> like these yeah. five, uh, ten players, three refs are standing in the middle, and all you can hear is them singing and not the Euroleague anthem that is playing in the arena. So. Uh, I'm not saying they're the best fans. We have six or six or seven teams that are close, but mm. that moment is always in my mind and it just gives me goosebumps. Uriel Como, uh, who's the most overrated and underrated player in the EuroLeague? Have your picks. Mm. 
it's kind of hard to go with the overrated because they're burning some bridges. I don't have any bridges, so I don't have nothing to burn. But Nemanja Nedović. I I wanted to say Nemanja Nedović. I actually said Nemanja Nedović in in a Lithuanian podcast last week in in a similar uh, answering to a similar question. Oh. Mm, because probably he thinks he's a star and he's trying to play as a star and he's trying to take those Steph Curry like shots and it's not really working out we never saw him leading his team anywhere we never saw his teams being very successful with him on the roster being injured is is not something against him it just happens it's unfortunate but when he is playing i'd say he's scoring he's getting the numbers but i couldn't say he's very consistent empty, empty numbers yeah and basically he's out of the radar for for any of those teams that are seeking to win the euroleague title that that tells you you know something yeah so probably i uh, i i would say he's a bit overrated and it's much easier to pick underrated players because there are so many basically in every team you can find one underrated guy at this point do we still consider luke sigma underrated <laughs> or or not just because he's staying with alba with berlin alba. and he's being overlooked but Everyone it's not like is, everyone he's overlooked. Is, probably, maybe he made his own choice to, maybe, to stay yeah. in Berlin to be but a I, focal player in I'd, a I'd nice environment. He, he's like the smartest player in the Euroleague, so that says a lot. What else do you have? The same Maudolo. Is he still uh, underrated? You know, just because he plays in he might be uh, underrated Alba because of the last season. Right, because before mm. he was still not very inconsistent. He didn't, let's say, show why he should be trusted by these top mm. teams, Final Four contenders, for example. But yeah, I agree with mm. compared to the last season, and he's the same. Mm, he has the same thing with Luke Sigma. I, for example, I cannot, I don't see Luke Sigma playing for Partizan or Red Star, and you know, having this Abali Finals experience. He's not that type of guy. <laughs> he doesn't need that. So, <laughs> actually, I would say another name, uh, Alec Peters, a bit underrated. I would always sign him for my team in Euroleague because you would love to have a stretch four type of a player who can also rebound and he doesn't complain if he needs to play lesser minutes. If he's a backup, like mm. he's right now in Olympiacos, that's fine with him. He's going to play his role, but he's so good at spot-up shooting and he's also smart. He's also, um, how to say, uh, competitive. He, he's fighting. He fits the Olympiacos team. This is why mm. he's being signed by very good teams. He played for for CSK, uh, for Ritudis. He played in FS. He he played in Basconia. Uh, last two seasons, I believe. Now he's in Olympiacos, and he's just a piece of the puzzle you want to have. But you're never going to rate him as a star player because he will not have very high numbers usually, but he adds a lot of value by playing his his position and, and playing uh, to his strengths. I think that Billy Barron is also one of the more underrated guys in the EuroLeague. Great character, one of the best uh, shooters in the EuroLeague as the season ends and it showed that he can also, you can also rely on him hand, handling the ball. Team guy, uh, he can win you games, he's consistent, so I really like Billy Barron. He's one of these late bloomer guys. It's crazy that he thought about, you know, retiring after this crazy Letovas Ritas experience with Coach Sheshkos, <laughs> just selling some meat and, and, and you know, back of his car. From the big teams, I could say that Gabidek is sometimes underrated. I wanted to name him. 
Yeah, that's true. Because, you know, when we talk about Real Madrid, it's always Tavares now, Yebuzele, or... Yul. We Yui, talk about yeah. Janan Musa, Hezonia now, the guards, Yui before, Chacho Rodriguez. Uh, but Gabi Deck, I think he's one of the, if not the most important players. And uh, he just does so much. Maybe his play style is not the one you see on the highlights and, and other stuff. Yeah. So that's why he's, let's say, a, a bit overlooked because he's one of the best players, you know, in, in the EuroLeague right now. Okay, we have to, uh, we have few last questions uh, because we're out of time. Uh, there's one last question. Mm, there was one. There's one guy who, when he's actually he's going to travel during the season I around saw Europe that. with a bus, basically with the van, and he actually has a challenge and a question. Uh, Hi, always a pleasure to listen our bonus podcast. But I never seen your basketball skill. I challenge you to make a basket on my van when I'll come to Lithuania. I'm following your league season in in van, so we will uh, let's say delegate Augusta Shulauskas uh, for this uh, challenge, for sure. And he asks, uh, which rule of FIBA basketball will you change? Mm, I'd say, and I've been saying this for, for for a long time. I want to add the in-game timeouts, yeah, to so European basketball to avoid games being decided by free throws. Yeah, by missing Miss, a free missing throw on purpose. On purpose, when yeah. there's a, a second left on the clock, let's say. Also, uh, it would create a lot more opportunities for game-winning shots. Late game yeah. heroics. Yeah, and also in some situations, it looks kind of unfair when a player like slips with the ball in his hands and 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 he's just being pressured by others. He could get himself out of trouble by calling a timeout, which also would mean his intellect. The way he reacts to the situation, he reads the situation, he wants wants a timeout because he sees he's gonna lose the ball. Um, I think it's it's not smart by having the the rules the way they are right now. I all, had this, all, uh, yeah, just I keep know. going. I had the same answer as you, Ritis, the the timeout. But one more thing I would like to change in the FIBA basketball is the stickers. Uh, mm -hmm. It's not a rule, but yeah. It just creates so much confusion, and I'm seeing in this season, in the last season, and I'm always, you know, clipping that one. Maybe one day I will make a compilation of all the slips that on defense players get hurt. Mm. Players get hurt. It's crazy, and you see a slip uh, almost every game. So this is not a rule, but I would like to change that. That you cannot have stickers in the in the circles around the free uh, free throw line. Yeah, two quick things to add. I would do something with this unsportsmanlike foul thing uh, at the end of the game. And uh, also, I hate when, uh, especially also at the end of the game, teams are awarded with free throws uh, when somebody fighting for the offensive rebound uh, gets fouled. And then, you know, this team, defensive team, is rewarded with free throws because you're awarded for points for your defensive action, which I don't think is right. So... That would be my five cents. And okay, going to the end of the end, some personal questions. Uh, Panman15, do you actually support any team? Portland Trailblazers and Manchester United. Okay, okay. I support um, any team that, that's being coached by Pep Guardiola. <laughs> I support Leo Messi. I support Ajax Amsterdam. 
I support conversations going to Barcelona. What about basketball? And basketball. <laughs> I think it was basketball related question. Oh, okay. And in basketball, Lasers. I I used to support uh, San Antonio Spurs because of uh, Manu Ginobili and a uh, big free, but in the NBA, I don't get attached to to the to the franchise because things are changing all the time. I usually follow the personalities a little bit more. I wouldn't say I have a favorite team right now. And in the EuroLeague, my favorite team right now is Monaco. But it's not like I support them. Like I'm, I'm just sitting yeah. next to the TV and praying that they're gonna win the game. Is it's just the, that this I, uh, jersey. I admire them. Let's say, let's put it that way. Yeah. Obviously, we like to see Jalgiris win on the European yeah. stage. But in, here in uh, in Lithuania, me personally, I don't have any preference. I had preferences when I was a kid. Yeah. But now it's just uh, yeah, watching, I think that watching. Most basketball. of us, especially working in this business, shifted uh, from that situation. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's uh, for me. It's a pity I didn't have a strong hometown team. Uh, Letkabilis became a let's say a player uh, even in the Lithuanian league just kind of recently when I left uh, uh, for for Vilnius. I would love to have this let's say hometown team feeling here in Vilnius. I would love to bring my son to the game and support this team just because. You know, we're living in the city. It, mm. it won't be with Ritas, uh, probably. I'm not I sure if it. it's going to be with uh, Wolves. Uh, we'll see. But I would love, would love to have the project I would trust and I would support with my son just to have this experience. And I was actually at Kranos Football Club Ultra. And I was uh, dreaming uh, something oh, about it. Yeah. You watched football in your life? Man, I was... Uh, Being an Ultra is not watching. Not hey, watching. Hey, <laughs> I was watching football until like... When I was playing FIFA, basically, because I knew all the rosters, I followed football. I played football manager. It was it was nice experience. Yeah. But when I left uh, for business, I stopped following it. Yeah, I get it. Like to me, as I said, it's it's more about supporting an idea or a personality, yeah. not about the club. Like like you heard my football preferences is just that I support a certain philosophy yeah. of the way the mm. game is supposed to be played or the beauty of the game let's say well and for some it's a beauty for, yeah. for others is not how but you understand the beauty of the it, game it's yeah it's just my preferences uh albert uh i will not use cbdc uh, do you have spare time for hobbies what do you do for fun mm, right now <laughs> i play basketball for my hobby <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> No, we're um, going to the same road, uh, sports. Yeah, uh, I, I try to think of this question and, uh, and to think what I could say outside of sports because uh. watching other games while I'm not working, I cannot say it's like a hobby. It also helps in my profession. But it's so the it's best like, thing about you know having a job which is kind of a hobby at the same time. It's like you're doing self improvement by watching uh, as many games as possible, mm. and and the true hobbies I would say uh, fishing. I rarely have time for it, only in the summer. But since my childhood days, my father taught me fishing, and I I love going fishing with him. Um, also just casually spending time with my girlfriend and my dog because I, I love dogs. I, I couldn't imagine myself without dogs. And then a little bit of gaming and watching documentaries and TV shows. It's very simple, like for, for many, many people. I wouldn't call myself like a big traveler. Usually people, when they present themselves one of the first hobbies they list is traveling. Traveling. But 
is it a hobby really? I mean, now well, it's like for some a people, lot of people are traveling. But if you're doing it every every month, I'm depends just, depends yeah. on what you're doing uh, during your travels and what you're seeking. Yeah, probably. So I don't know. I'm I'm just like a basic guy. I love watching those like intellectual TV shows, quiz shows we have we have in Lithuania, and just spending time on my couch. Because on weekends I'm working. That's that's the tricky part. Like when my friends or my girlfriend are free, I am always working on Saturdays and mm. Sundays. How so, you're still in a relationship? Nah, you, you have to manage your personal <laughs> life a little bit. <laughs> I mean, that's. I <laughs> mean, on, I man. feel <laughs> bad for for uh, you know girlfriends and wives of let's say not even sports people, but. Of journalists and commentators, for example, because <laughs> usually work, <laughs> you work late. Uh, in Rita's case, you work on weekends and you're, you know, watching games uh, during the week as well. I mean, it's a tough. It's not as tough as it sounds. It's manageable. Yeah. You just need to make some compromises sometimes. But I, I, I'm not complaining about that. But if I have to list one hobby that's a real hobby, I would say fishing. Mm. Okay. At this point of my life, I don't have any hobbies. We just had this conversation <laughs> with my wife. I mean, kid, there's no kids, what room is your hobby, for kids? any freaking hobby right now. But love, okay, uh, what hobby did you have and you would like to bring back, if possible? I really like going to gym, for example, just to feel healthy and just you know shut all the noise around. I considered it as a hobby, but. I wasn't a big hobby guy. I mean, for me, it was tough to find something which excited me or made me feel better than just hanging out with my family. And, you know, it might be a lot of different uh, things. Okay, we can include traveling, but just uh, going outside, having these long walks on, on on some nice places in Lithuania. But I don't have one, you know, fetish like for... like. Guys who like fishing, for example, mm. you can you can call it some kind of you know. Fetish. I'm not a hardcore fisherman. Mm. I just love the process with my yeah. father. We usually just let the fish go. Uh, by the time we're finished, it's not like we're fishing for food or. Uh, at in the beginning, it was maybe like that because the first years in Lithuania, after we got the independence, were kind of tough. So any 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 chance you get to. Um, benefit from your activities, you would use that. But these days, when we get an opportunity, we just go on a boat uh, in the lake. Mm. We spend two or three hours, just talk a little bit, drink some beer. And in the end, we let the fish go. I, I'm not like a savage. I, I'm not fishing them to take pictures of my trophies or oh, anything yeah. like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, one really last question, uh, Carlos Albert. Uh, he follows up with, what is your dream job? NBA GM. NBA GM is probably the easiest But is it answer. as good as it sounds? Because I actually had this conversation with one NBA uh, front uh, office, let's say, I mean, NBA front office e guy. It's obviously not easy. And it's freaking hard. Yeah, of it's course. It takes out of, you, you know, you don't have any personal life. You're always under very high pressure. And when you think about it, thinking about the dream job, it would be... Awesome to be oh. part of big basketball processes, but not to be the main uh, guy to have this opportunity to have some time uh, on on weekends, on so evenings, just to have somebody ahead of you okay. making these decisions. So the owner of the team. 
then Fred then is the end of the team. But then you have to be a fil- it, filthy rich. Yeah, it's not like a job. A job. It's not no. a job. But it's a nice no, dream. Yeah. But the GM thing, I mean, I know it's gonna, it, it would be exhausting, hard, difficult, uh, and everything else. But if you end up being successful, you can feel like you've created something and you've actually achieved something. So you can definitely dream about it. And it's not like you need to be an NBA GM for 20 or 30 years to live a sustainable life. If you have a successful career for eight or 10 years, you earn money, you get respect, and then you can do whatever you want. You can be an expert on television or or, or, or whatever. So just to try yourself in a position like this yeah. um, sounds, will already be sounds huge. intriguing and sounds exciting. Maybe I would fail. Probably I would fail because I'm too lazy. But you just love the idea. Says a guy who works every weekend. (laughs) Yeah, but I sleep a lot and my job doesn't require that much effort and and you don't need to think about others. You don't impact others. You're just basically going there to do what you can. You have some skills. Mm. And in this case, I would be responsible for, for building a basketball team and to make it a winning basketball team. So in the end, if you achieve it, I think it would be a great feeling. But if if you fail, then obviously you might not get a second shot at this. So, but I would fail because I'm lazy, like I said. I hate <laughs> I hate being on a phone, for example. And as a GM, I would have oh, to make that's... a lot of phone calls and a lot of mm. conversations. I hate it. So, yeah. but the idea that you could build a basketball team. You've been playing like fantasy playing and football managers, managers yeah. and managers <laughs> from when you were three years old. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I told you being a front office guy, I'm okay. not naming a specific particular position, but to be okay. a part of big processes mm. and to make uh, impact and to have a great uh, team around. And to leak but, and to leak information to the new no. Urba, 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 Urboda. Nah, nah, nah. I, I was thinking about this, <laughs> but I'm, I don't want to say anything because it might hurt my my current situation. So, but honestly, since my my mother told me that I should be a, a basketball commentator when I was like six or seven years old, I, I could say I'm pretty much working my dream job right now. Just being in basketball actually is kind of a dream to me. Being able to wake up and at, talk basketball to be now to being able to wake up at twelve. <laughs> or 11 instead of waking up by the alarm clock at 8 and and working 9 to 5 is already a, a dream Win. fulfilled nice privilege yeah so uh, i always wanted to set my life the way that i could wake up when i want not when somebody else wants me to so i i probably achieved 80 percent of that <laughs> to me just talking basketball writing basketball and watching basketball is just you know it doesn't sound like a job for me mm. it's like a hobby Passion, yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay, guys. On this positive note, mm, keep dreaming, uh, keep achieving your goals, uh, just enjoy your life uh, at its best. At, at its best. And thank you all for all these questions. And just a quick reminder, actually, Jonas also mm, gave me one reminder that. Uh, it's also a great feeling to browse basketballs.com with ad-free, which BN Plus platform uh, will help you one more time. This was the last, let's say, open Q&A session because the other sessions we will have every two weeks will be only for BN Plus members. And you can get more information on, uh, about our new platform on basketballs.com slash plus.
So thank you all, all for your questions. Thanks for following us. And please subscribe basketnews.com channel on YouTube and press like button to help us grow and join this uh, community as well to help uh, us grow as well. See you next time.